Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to gather with you for worship as we come together in this unique but also very effective way. So thanks for being here today with us. I want to remind you that if you'd like to be in touch with us with your prayer concerns or other messages or to send in your financial support, the addresses through which you may do that are listed right now on your screen, and we'd love to hear from you for any or all of those reasons. Today, our Christmas in July program is going on from 9 to uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We have the uh, truck from the San Diego Rescue Mission parked in the uh, preschool parking lot at the church, the lower parking lot, and we can receive your donations of a new or used clothing and household appliances and other things that can be resold in the shop to support the work of the rescue mission uh, that is one of our wonderful, wonderful partners in ministry in downtown San Diego. Today also we are starting our Donut Digital Fellowship at 10.07. Now you might be watching this too late in order to take advantage of that, but we'd encourage you to check in every Sunday morning now at 10.07 via Zoom to engage in some uh, simple good times of conversation with each other. The details about how you can do that are contained in the email that I sent to you yesterday and will be in subsequent emails as well. So the Donut Digital Fellowship, 10.07 every Sunday morning. The Red Cross Bloodmobile will be here on Sunday, August 23rd from 8 till I think it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Again, we're sending more information via email so that you can make your appointment and we'd encourage you to participate. There'll be another opportunity later on in October. Finally, I want to mention the uh, special offering that we are receiving to help defray the costs of reopening here at the Village Church. Some of you have expressed an interest in the uh, things that we are doing in order to make the campus more safe and in order to welcome people onto the campus in special ways. If you feel led to participate in that, we'd encourage you to do so. Some of you already have. We've spent just a little under $50,000 to upgrade our faucets and lighting fixtures and cleaning procedures and equipment and a whole host of other things. So we'd encourage you to participate if you feel so led. Friends, let's be called together to worship. That's why we're here, to come before the living God. And let's do that as we hear these words from the 18th Psalm. Who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? The God who girded us with strength and made our way safe. He made our feet like the feet of a deer and set us secure on the heights. You have given us the shield of your salvation, O God, and your right hand has supported us. Your help has made us great. Friends, let's worship the living God.
It's good to take a moment to acknowledge that God is perfect and that we are not. If we think that we are sinless, then we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins through Christ Jesus. Please take a moment with me in silent confession as we bear our souls to the living God. And then together we'll pray a corporate prayer of confession. Almighty God, in love you spread good gifts before us, more than we need or deserve. You feed, heal, teach, and save us. We confess that we always want more, that we never share as freely as you give. We resent what we lack, and we are jealous of neighbors. We misuse what you intend for good. God, forgive our stubborn greed and our destructiveness. In mercy, help us take such pleasure in your goodness that we will always be thanking you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now hear this assurance of pardon. Friends, hear the good news. Christ Jesus entered the world to rescue sinners. He personally bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. Believe the good news in the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. And now I invite you, as we've been reconciled to God, to share the peace of Christ with one another, whether it be in text or an email or on Facebook or Instagram, however you want to reach out to your loved ones today and to say the peace of Christ be with you.
each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. Good morning, Kids Village, and welcome to week four for this month of July. Today is our last Sunday in the month of July, and next week we move into the month of August. Today we're going to recap the word faith that we've been studying all month long. We've been learning about what faith means and how we can put it into action. What we would like for you all to do today is to write the word faith down on a sticky note or on a piece of paper and put it somewhere in your house where you're going to be able to see it every day. If you'd like to add something next to the word faith, you can write, I believe in Jesus. If you need help writing this, maybe you can ask one of your siblings or your parents and you all can decide where to put this in the house. Faith is such an important word for us all to be reminded of and I'm going to let you in on a little secret that your parents are going to need this reminder just as much as you all. So it's so important for us to remember what this word means and to put it into action. As we look to the fall and the unknowns of what you all are going through and figuring out school, if you're going to be able to go to school full-time or half-time or if you're going to be at home, there's so many changes that go along with that and a lot of uncertainty. We can take this word faith and know that our faith in Jesus gives us comfort and peace even through those unknowns. We hope that you are all doing well, and if you haven't joined us already on our Facebook page, please be sure to do so. We would love to see you there, and as we participate in videos and post coloring sheets, your Sunday school teachers would also love to see you on there too. We miss all of you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
every day We go to war again We assume we know so much more than them Before we hear what they have to say Headline breaks And we start to hate again Calling them names again We give our peace away I hope they see it Cause I wanna see it I hope we believe it I wanna see I wanna see the love All around you All around you I wanna know It's all around you, all around. Day by day, hope fades away again. We know there is pain within, we cannot medicate learn to feel learn to begin again open our eyes again to see our brother's pain I hope they see it cause I want to see it I hope we believe I want to see the love all around you, all around you. I want to know, I want to know that love is all around you, all around lights you up. See how it lights you up. It lights you Friends, we have come to the time in our service in which we pray with each other, for each other, for our community, and for the whole world. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, 
we come before you this morning to give thanks, to give thanks for the beauty and blessings you have bestowed on us, as we are mindful of those who go without, who are insecure of housing or food, even in our own community. Lord, we pray for those who are out of work, furloughed, or are experiencing a reduction of income at this time. We pray that they might find meaningful work and that we all may find ways to serve you as you have shown us in the life and teachings of Jesus. We are mindful of this pandemic and it's our impact on our daily lives. We give thanks for the medical community and their efforts to keep us safe. Creator God, we ask for fortitude and wisdom for the doctors, nurses, and scientists who are working long hours, often at great risk to themselves and their families to help heal us and to find a cure. We pray for the leaders of our local, regional, and national governments, that they may lead us wisely in these trying times. We acknowledge great divisions in our society and seek to be a part of your healing and reconciliation of the world. You taught us to love our neighbors and to love and pray for our enemies. Though it is among the most difficult things we can do, Lord, we ask that you break our hearts with love, that our first response is one of compassion, not of retort, and that we are reminded that each person we meet is created in your image. Jesus, shepherd of your sheep, have compassion on us. As you did so long ago, teach us to know wisdom and to live with prudence, to live as the sheep on your right hand and not as the goats on your left, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, to use our gifts for the common good, to hear the truth and discern lies, to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, to live with gladness because the Lord reigns, Jesus, a cacophony of voices cries out around us. As the voices cry out, we join a single voice, the voice of that same small child, and say, Lord, your servant is listening. Finally, let us pray the prayer that you have taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us begin our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination. Please join me in prayer. Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand that understanding we may believe and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord, amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership and of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or households sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The word of the Lord. Friends, we are continuing our look at the life of the newborn church so that we can glean some wisdom and we hope also inspiration for how we can live today in what I'm calling the time of coronavirus. And so let's dive right into the story. We've been following the story of the Acts of the Apostles as Jesus has departed the scene and given the gift of the Holy Spirit, as the disciples have begun to teach and preach and people have begun to come into the life of the church. Well, in today's brief story, Luke tells us that with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's the kind of phrase that maybe for you, as for me, sometimes I tend to gloss over. Well, of course, the disciples preached about the resurrection of Jesus. We already know that. Let's move on. But we should not do that so quickly, you see, because everything about Christian faith stems from our conviction of the resurrection. Because he was resurrected from the dead, because he appeared to the women and then the men and to many hundreds of others, we believe that there is something very, very special about Jesus indeed. We believe what Jesus said, we believe what Jesus did, and we trust the truths that he taught us for our own lives. There's simply nothing logical or wise about saying that we believe in Jesus, but then don't also follow Jesus. And it all hinges on the fact of the resurrection. Luke reminds us of that simple truth as he continues to tell us about what's going on in the life of the early church. The story of the resurrection is the heart of everything. But then, of course, we have to move on from there. Luke also says that great grace was upon them all. 
And there's another one of those words that everybody loves, grace, amazing grace. The grace of knowing that God loves and forgives us. The grace that God calls forth from us to express and to extend to each other in our relationships with each other. That grace actually began to change the lives of those who had experienced that grace. Grace was upon all of them as a gift from God, but a gift then that the people began to experience and the people began to use in their own lives. One of the facts of one of the, the outcomes of that grace, if you will, is what Luke continues to talk about when he says that the Christians were of one heart and one soul. You know, in today's world, there is division everywhere, and I think there are people who work at dividing us from each other. But here we're told that because of their conviction in the resurrection, because of the gift of grace that all had received, the people of the church were of one heart and one soul. They had a, a new sense of unity, a new sense of community. That's a great gift in the life of the church. Now, this conviction of the resurrection and the experience of grace and the unity that flowed from that meant this. It meant what Luke reports here, that no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. There was not a needy person among them. As many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Wow. Wow. It's one thing to talk about these great theological concepts and, and deep truths of the resurrection, of grace, of unity. But now we see what those deep truths actually mean in people's lives. Here we have a group of people, some of whom perhaps knew each other before they came to faith, many of whom did not, but they were so changed and so inspired by this new relationship with God that they began to share everything they had with each other. I don't know what your experience is in life. I have experienced great generosity among many people. But I've also experienced the other side, not only in my own heart, but in the lives of everyone around me. We're not always so generous. We're not always so willing to give to others. We're not always so willing to think about what the whole community needs. But right there is absolute evidence, sure and certain proof that these people had been changed. They changed the way they looked at their possessions and their money and their time and the energy of their lives. They now offered all of those things to the service of love in the name of Jesus, who had loved them. If you don't want to watch this sermon any longer, Wait just one more minute as I tell you the real point of this whole passage. You see, the early disciples were so changed in their hearts and so committed to the body of believers and the mission of spreading the good news that they went to great lengths to share from all of their resources. 
And so you and I are called to reconsider today as disciples of that same Jesus. To think about how we spend the resources entrusted to us for the sake of mission in our day. We need to go deeper, though. There's a lot more to learn. I always ask a question of Scripture that has been something very important in my own life by asking that question. I always say, well, why is it this way and why not that way? Why does God teach us this and not that? Well, why does God make it so that giving is actually even better than getting? It's a good question to ask. And I think there are several answers. I've come up with a list of a few things. I'm sure there are others, others that I hope you come up with. Why is it that giving is such a central theme and message of the whole of Scripture? Well, it's very simple. It's because giving is a fundamental principle of creation itself. First, there is God and only God, and then God gives the gift of the creation. God makes it all. Bring it down to your own level. Everything you and I have is given to us. Our bodies, our life, our breath, our mind, our heart, our soul, everything we have begins as a gift. Therefore, the principle, the, the dynamic of giving is an important thing to learn. Very closely associated with this idea is another thought that I have that Giving is so important because it reminds us of who the giver actually is. It reminds us of God. You see, when we move away from God, when we deny that God exists, or when we live our lives as if God does not exist, whether or not we say we believe, we are moving away from the fundamental truth of our existence. And that truth is grounded in the fact that God has given us life, and God expects and hopes and wants us to give that life back to Him so that we truly can have life. Unless we know the giver of life, we tend to make gods out of other things, and we expect other things to give to us what only God can give to us. One of the most powerful things that we expect to give us happiness and peace and success is money, is our material possessions. Not that we don't need them, of course, but how many times have we sensed in our own hearts that if we just had a little bit more, a little bit better, that everything would be okay? Our possessions, our money, are not the true source of our happiness or our security. Just ask the magnificently wealthy person who's just learned that they have cancer. Just ask the incredibly wealthy person who can't do a thing to rescue someone they love from the ravages of, of, of alcoholism or mental disease. The fact is, God is the giver, and we always must remember that fact, and then organize our lives according to it. Now, let's remember this, and this is my third thing. Giving does not cancel out getting. Of course we must get. Of course we must receive. First of all, we must receive from God. We must receive into our lives those things that we need for life. But the interesting thing is that 
Giving helps us maintain the right balance between giving and getting. Most of the people that are going to hear this sermon have enough and maybe even too much, certainly more than we actually need. And so when we're called to give, that helps us remember that the things that we have gotten are not the only things in life, that there's something on the other side of life that that helps keep life balanced and that reminds us of what we truly need and then what we might share with others. Now, giving does not cancel out our need to get, of course. But giving also does not mean being foolish or thoughtless or wasteful or careless with what we give away. God never once says, I want you to just throw your money away. I want you to throw your time away. No, not at all. We need to be wise. We need to be discerning. We need to be concerned about what all my finance friends call ROI, return on investment, right? God wants us to be responsible stewards, giving in ways that actually support and encourage and and nurture others. Giving, this is my fifth thing, giving helps take care of everyone. Have you ever thought about that? It is by our giving that we care for the needs of the broader community. Think of what happens when our needs are not met. When someone's needs are not being met, not their wants, their needs, they suffer. And when they suffer, we all suffer. Because eventually in our suffering society doesn't work so well. When everyone has what they truly need and recognizes that fact, then then everything works pretty well. One of the things that works is that it builds community. You see, it's so much easier and it flows so much better when everyone has what they need, when everyone is giving as well as receiving. It's so much easier to be in a good and productive relationship with each other. One of the great problems of our society and of our world today is the fact that we're being split apart, that community is threatened at at every turn. But as we give to others and as we include them in the blessings of the community, it helps build the community. The last thing I want to say, for those of you who are counting, this is number seven. The last thing that I want to say is that giving is actually loving in tangible form. I know we're all fond of saying, I love such and such, I love so and so. I use the word love all the time because it's a great word. But just using a word doesn't mean much unless it's followed up with actions. Giving is one of those things that we do that makes our loving tangible and real in other person's lives. We all need love, of course, and we experience love when others give to us, when God gives to us. We want love, and one of the best ways, my friends, to get love is by giving it first of all. It's amazing how much people will love you if you give to them. That's not the reason that we give, of course, but that's one of the byproducts. That's one of the things that happens. Think about it. We love people who want to give to us, who want to share with us truly, genuinely, out of their hearts. And with God's grace, that calls forth our genuine giving to others. So what does all this say in the time of, of coronavirus? But it says several things to me. You see, in this time, 
We have all been so tempted to conserve everything for ourselves, to keep everything for ourselves. But the Christian call is to give and to help others. Wisely, yes. Carefully, yes. But also generously, faithfully, with reliance on God's future provision. I'm so proud of all the ways that our congregation and many others around the world have given of themselves, not just financially, but in so many other ways, to bring healing and hope and encouragement and strength and renewal, especially to those communities and families and people who are hurting so badly. Of course, that, that dynamic, that truth, works not just when you're faced with a pandemic, but when you're faced with any kind of problem facing the ills of society, if you will, facing the challenges of personal life. Giving is one of the ways that God helps us to receive in even more rich and more deep and more soul-nourishing ways. I have with me this morning some of the old offering plates that we have used at the Village Church over the years. I think Probably this brass one is the oldest. I have no idea when we were using those. These wooden ones, I think, were the ones we were using when I came to be pastor here nearly 22 years ago. And the ones we use now are, are these uh, baskets, actually, that are, that are woven together. They're a great reminder of the fact that one of the principal joys of Christian life is in giving to others. In fact, let, let me illustrate that joy right now. Let me look around and see if there's something that I have here in my little home studio. Ah, I found something incredibly precious and valuable to us all. This is one of the most valuable things in all of human society, apparently. And so, and so I'll just put this by the offering plates over here as a reminder of our call to give that which is precious to us. I have something a little more serious that I want to talk about. I want to talk about love letters. Right after the pandemic started and right after our society started to shut down, more and more of you started sending in your financial support to the church via the United States mail. And more and more of you started sending what our bookkeeper started calling love letters. Every time I've walked into the office for the last several months, Catherine will call out and say, Jack, you've got some more love letters. I have a stack of those letters right here with me. These are actually notes that you have sent to me over these last few months thanking me and thanking all of the church staff and our leaders for the ministry that we've been able to accomplish, but even more so thanking God for all of the things that we are able to do with God's continued provision in our lives. These are love letters that I look at as not being so much about me, but being about God's love for all of us and the ways that we can share that love with each other. Many of you continue to support the life of the church even though you've not been on the campus for months and months now because you realize that the life of the church is not limited, it's not contained by gathering in a place. In fact, you cannot limit or contain any of the life of the church 
when the love and grace of God is in our hearts and when we respond generously to others. And that takes me to the last little piece of Luke's story here. Luke tells us that there was a Levite from Cyprus named Joseph. Joseph sold a field that he owned and he gave the proceeds to the work of the church. Because of that generosity, they gave him a new name, the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I love that name. Maybe we should think about the opposite. What, what new name would you like to be given because of who you are and what you do? Do you want to be called a son of discouragement? A daughter of greed? How about a, a son of disappointment or a daughter of self-centeredness or a son of uselessness? Is that what we want? No. I hope someday some will call me, as I hope they will call you, a child of encouragement, of generosity, of helpfulness, of love. You see, you and I have lots of people like Barnabas to thank, including the original Barnabas himself. People who, through their generosity and their giving, in all ways in their lives, have helped to spread that good news about the resurrection of Jesus and have helped to teach the way of living Jesus' way in the world and through that have helped to bring God's grace into a hurting world. The only question is whether or not we will, in our own time, in today's time, whether we will suspend our selfishness and spend for others' sake. By what name do you want to be called? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jack. Friends, let us join together in the words of affirmation from 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us.
One of the songs that we enjoyed earlier in our worship today is an old song that was amazingly popular when I was a young adult growing up in the life of the church. They'll know we are Christians by our love. It was so popular that it almost got overused and we moved away from that song for a while, but it's still a great song because we're told in the book of Acts that, that people paid attention to the message of the first Christians because they loved each other in unique ways, in ways they'd never seen before, in ways the world had never experienced before. They'll know we're Christians by our love. There are many ways that love becomes a tangible and powerful thing in people's lives. One of the chief among them is the love that we express as we generously share with others from our material resources, from our time, from the depth of our being in our hearts as we live lives with others, both here and around the world. The Lord knows we need some of that kind of love in our world today. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen. Amen.